Hey up, all you petrolhead dirt bike junkies. Welcome to the Man in the Van Motocross Show. My name is Jeff Perrett. Uh, this show is brought to you by fxrracing.com and the guys at Relax to Race Arm Pump CBD, Arm Pump Oil. Thanks for getting involved, guys. You can um, follow and get your goods from them if you follow these website addresses down here. As you've probably worked out by now, because of lockdown, we physically can't get guests into the show as we normally do. So we're going to do this next part of the series through the wonders of the Internet. So I hope you enjoy the show, what we're doing here at Dirt Hub. It would be great to hear your comments. Um, so that'd be cool. Right. That's enough of me waffling on. Um, let's get some guests on. And hopefully I will see you guys at an event sometime soon. Enjoy. Right, we're back for another man in the van. Well, I am. And then you can see the beaming smile of Todd Kellett. There he is. Um, I'm sat in the, in the van uh, on my travels, actually. I'm not at home. So there you go. And Todd, where are you? It should have been more fitting. I should have got in the van, but I'm, I'm actually in um, Lucy's brother's man cave, hence all the T-shirts. Um, and, yeah. and where's that? Is that, is that back at home? Uh, we're in Plymouth at the moment, yeah. Plymouth. Right. Okay. Well, that's that's a good place to start. So let's talk personal life. I see um, you went down on one knee, or did you not? Yes, absolutely. You... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, that was in America. That was uh, a couple of months. Well, three months ago now. So yeah, it's quite exciting. Yeah. But um, got a job done. <laughs> <laughs> did she have any uh, any clue that you were going to do it? Um... Was it a genuine? I think it was a, I think it was a genuine surprise. She didn't say she had any clues, so yeah, like a job for me. <laughs> and and well organised. How well did you have it planned? We, we, you know, did you, did you have it down to a T? Did it all go to plan? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I packed the bags, um, and she didn't find it. I took my gear bag and I put it put it in my helmet. So I was just like praying she didn't go in the helmet <laughs> for any reason. <laughs> but she's she's a really, you know, obviously she's a trooper, a real, you know, a, a real part of your program you know and really helps you out so that must have been a bit of a fit a bit of a fear because i know you probably do your own kit and stuff but she mucks in doesn't she yeah exactly like lucy does everything for me um just down for, to me to do the racing so yeah i was a bit concerned yeah. obviously but yeah I'll, I'll pack me back this week yeah no, no, no problem don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> you imagine can you imagine the embarrassment if you had it all packed away and they check your bags at customs and pulled up saying what's what's this <laughs> Yeah, well, it could have happened, obviously, taking me gear there. They would have been like, what's going on? But, yeah, it was plain sailing. Yeah. Plain sailing. <laughs> so what, so what was the, the reasoning for the move down to Plymouth? Is that where Lu more of Lucy's family well, are? I mean, obviously, we're in France for like six months at a time, and six months we're normally just racing. So yeah. uh, we wouldn't really base ourselves anywhere. We sort of just to and fro between everything we've got going on. Um, but obviously, with quarantine and all that stuff we had to we had to make a decision and Lucy said oh we'll just we'll just stay in Plymouth why not and um it's been fun for me it's been really good I've been doing a lot of mountain biking and we've got to see just down the road you know so yeah. it's cool it's, it's it's exciting you know it's different for me obviously being from Somerset and it's all like sleepy villages you know nothing going on and then we got the oh, big come city. On. <laughs> come on. there might not be anything going on in Somerset villages but I'm sure there's plenty going on around your house i can imagine yeah, for sure yeah for sure but no it's, it's been a good experience no problems yeah so when you go to france then do you do you go 
do you take the boat from Plymouth over or do you have to travel all the way down to the tunnel? Yeah, we go to the tunnel because um, yeah. the team is based in Calais and um, I've got a small property which the, the team allow me to use, which is like 20 minutes south of the tunnel. So it always makes sense to just go straight across the tunnel yeah. and there we are. So um, it's a good position really because we're not far from the tunnel and then we're not far from the team and then we're not far from Dunkirk, obviously. It's um, it's a nice place to be. We got it's a small property with a near the beach. It's, it's real chilled out, you know. It's it's good. Uh, yeah. Okay. So let's go back to the beginning. Well, the ultimate, really beginning. But I'll, I'll just say about at this point when we started working together, when you when you rode on on the team that I formed, Twisted Seven. I always, I don't know. I don't. I, don't, I didn't expect you to end up sand racing, but I could tell straight away that you know, like just getting stuck in and that kind of thing you'd be good at it. I'm not putting my hand up the air and saying I spotted you or anything like that because uh, you would have got there anyway. But yeah, you know, but even back then, your, let's say, uh, grit and determination, you know, I remember you did a couple of races uh, that year where it was such, it was so muddy and snotty and a lot of kids, you know, just don't, and you were just like goggles off, just charging. Always goggles so, off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about you know the um the the absolute beginning then because I've seen these little pictures uh, pictures of you as this little cherub angel faced <laughs> still a bit like it now rosy yeah, cheeks yeah. whatever um you didn't stand you and your brother Ty let's be honest did yeah. not stand a chance to do anything else other than anything to will yeah, with your mum and dad's yeah. history so let's let's talk about mum and dad first. For sure. uh, and their yeah, for sure. It's a crazy household. It's always gonna be like it. You know, dad was obsessed and mum was just as obsessed, if not more. Um, so yeah, it was it was gonna happen. And the thing was is Ty was so interested in it that all I ever wanted to do was beat Ty. So it didn't matter whatever we were doing, I was gonna beat him. And I must say it took a hell of a long time to beat him, and I think that's what made me what i am today you know it didn't matter if we were going around the garden on push bikes so we were at a race i just wanted to beat him you know what i mean there was nobody else that mattered <laughs> so we always had like the perfect the perfect um you know idol to just keep working against and i think he would say himself that it's sort of somewhat frustrating for him but at the same time for me it was just next level and uh, we were just always working together we'd be digging in the garden for mini bikes and he'd say, oh, we'll make it a bit bigger. And I'd be like, no, 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 it's like, that's plenty big enough. And he'd make it bigger. And I'd, sure enough, I'd still jump it. But um, he was just there to push me the whole time long. And mum and dad were just fully supported, you know, just whatever you that's want to do, bitch, crack on. <laughs> that's, the, that's the bit. Like I say, you said a sleepy Somerset village. Um, your garden was not sleepy, you know, like <laughs> mum and dad didn't care about having a garden. You know, no, a few not. shrubs that a few shrubs that managed not to get pulled out to make a <laughs> to make room for a, a mini bike track in the garden. Um, around you were out there, you were out there, you know. Well, there was just there's just at your mum and dad's place. There's just bike related stuff everywhere you go. The how yeah, you, how yeah. your dad even works in the shed, I don't know. <laughs> like literally, you go through the house and it's all bike, bike. Oh, there's this, there's that, you know. And then you go in the garage and it's just like, it's like a bike shop. We have to get all the bikes out to start working on a bike. It's a disaster, really. Um, but then the garden, like, it hasn't changed. The garden's exactly the same. I went up mum and dad's 
a couple of weeks ago and we just oh we'll drag the mini bikes out and have another go you know it's just just the norm really is i can't imagine it being any different <laughs> i can remember going into your dad's garage and looking up and then sort of sit so basically when you look up at the ceiling you you get an idea of what is the floor space you know because it's the equivalent yeah 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 i, I remember looking up the ceiling and then i'm around i remember and seeing about the size of a postage stamp uh, vacant floor area <laughs> and that was about it it's like it's you, enough for the door to open and then to stand there and then the rest is just just bikes and, and <laughs> kit yeah i mean it's a lot better now like um ty hasn't got so many bikes you know and he's got his own house and i obviously don't have so many bikes at the, at the house so it is a lot better but yeah there's still a lot of dead mini bikes and dead yeah. exhaust of two strokes or you know cone valve suspension dead just chucked in the corner or whatever <laughs> just junk everywhere and it's all trashed <laughs> none of it's any good it's just yeah. all hanging out where we just abused everything you know we had mini bikes and we just bend the frame and bend the forks <laughs> literally Nimo was constantly just working on bikes trying to get them going and oh. we never really had the budget so we were just botching them up so we could go racing again yeah. oh and that's what you guys did no doubt about it and still still do what so can you remember your earliest memory of getting on a bike is it you know okay maybe wish, you can't I remember wish, it. yeah i wish i could i mean I can't really say I do. I think the only thing I can remember is just riding in the garden, really, and doing the odd races. But I think that one of the vivid memories I have is sort of when I was like six and I had a uh, 50 and it was just terrible, like dog slow and the clutch was rubbish. And dad was like, had a guts for, and Ty was riding KX65s at the time and Ty had two bikes. So it was like, oh, dad was sod it. You're riding a 65. So I was six years old. And I just jumped straight on a 65. I did like three races on an auto and I was like, whatever, isn't it? That's it. That's it. So we went to a little track near us at Western Zoyland and I was riding around and I had no idea what the gears were. I had no idea what the clutch was. So I'm revving the hell out of it in second gear. I was like, so this is what it's all about, you know? <laughs> I think that's the only memory I've really got. And then just went on and on and on, really. And I raced 65 Kawasaki's for four years. Yeah, I didn't ride anything else, and I was quite a quite a weird one, really. I was uh, the one of the only guys to ride Kawasaki in '65. Um, it, at that time, you know, every man and his dog was on KTM's, and we put yeah. like Kawasaki forks in it, and off we went. It was it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah, they're they're a good little good little bike. They're pretty bulletproof. You need to be to take to take you on board. But you, <laughs> funny you say there about revving it because obviously when it got to the stage where you you joined twisted seven and come on the team um by that stage you'd already to me was a rider that had worked out a gearbox you know you wasn't oh, a river then. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah you you know you you knew how to ride to all the gears and everything so you must have picked that up pretty quick was that because the old man used to beat you he didn't beat you i'm only joking uh <laughs> basically sort of say stop you're gonna blow that thing up hook up gears and, and you learned to to ride a bit more yeah. to all the gears because that's not your strengths there's no doubt about it you know, yeah, I, using think, the um, I think maybe like living at home or living in where we do in the UK in the south, we've always got hard packs. We haven't got any sand, which is kind of a strange one when you think I like sand so much. But you've got to learn to ride a bike right <clears throat> on hard ground, you know, like Bia Regis. If you're revving the hell out of it, you're not going anywhere. You're just spinning. 
you know so i think as and all of the southern motocross riders we all ride bikes well because we have to learn how to ride them on terrible ground eventually <laughs> basically you know um i think if we lived up the country but more we would we would have a bit better ground really i think that's, yeah. that's what it comes down to there's a degree of sort of irony about that that you've ended up becoming you know such a solid sand rider and yet we live yeah. in an area where you know we, have, we don't we really have any sand tracks i mean the last real sand track we had was probably matchams you know and i wouldn't and yeah, that absolutely. was you know yeah and that wasn't yeah, the deepest. I probably yeah. rode there three or four times on a 65, yeah. you know, and I was probably seven years old or whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's funny when I go to France and they say, oh, you, you, you've done any riding in the UK? I said, well, no, there's no point. I said, like, I got to go to Fat Cat for four hours and yeah. it's not even sand. You know, it's like, it's basically hard pack now. And they're like, it is. What? Yeah, yeah, it's getting like what, what are you on about? Um, the only places you can ride real sand in the UK is like Port Talbot, and it's so illegal. It's never worth the risk. For me, I just place, as well go, place, you know. unbelievable place oh, yeah. Like, yeah. For, for the yeah. level that you're now at. Um, yeah, obviously, we don't want anybody illegally riding or anything like that. Great, great place, but um, particularly where you're at, you know, with sponsors and stuff like that, you can't yeah, afford to. Too, too much of a risk. Um, yeah. it's, it's a couple of hours drive from me, a couple more hours, I'm at the tunnel. I just as well ride in France, you know. Um, yeah. I think there's only one place I've been in the UK which has been really outstanding sand was Tame, but that's like seven, eight hours, you know. It's <laughs> so, nice yeah, place to visit. It. Unreal. Yeah. Yeah. So, I've never I've never been up there. Um yet. Uh, and yeah, I've been invited up a few times but never made it. But I have heard it's amazing. Yeah. I think so. if you're gonna go, try and get a plane up because it's a long drive. <laughs> Uh, uh, I, I, I'm getting to an age now where you know, Todd. I'm, I'm out. I'm getting to that age where I can. I'm interested in just sort of doing mild touring at my own leisurely pace. Before you know yeah, it, mate, I'll be taking. I'll be taking coach tour, tours soon. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Um, no, but I will. I will try and get up there. Um, I, I am basically getting back into riding, so it would be good to um to catch oh, up with you one day. I was planning yeah. to get riding this year a bit more until some dirty little tow rag stole my 450 oh, there we yeah. go that's another story um yeah so obviously you, so you started to come through and you made it wasn't long really after swinging your leg over a bike and you started racing what was it i mean you raced obviously regionally and and done all right yeah i think the thing around, around the time i suppose went around i mean you started to show form and and i i was when i really studied you a couple of times at rocket's place that's yeah. when I thought, yeah. yeah, if you'll fit the bill for what, you know, for what I wanted to do and try and do that, you know, everything that about what I was trying to put together, somebody that's going to give it, you know, 100% no matter what and, and all that, you know, and not be a prima donna for a better word. Yeah. Um, I think and that worked out okay, you know, and you 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 came on to the team and you rode a KX85, uh, you know, and, and you put a good, a good year together, you know, some great battles. In that eighty-five yeah, class, yeah. if I remember right, I mean some unbelievable ones. The one at Hawk, what was it? The one at Hawkstone against Scooter Webster, wasn't it? Was that yeah, the one? Yeah, yeah, sounds oh, about right. Epic. <laughs> I think the yeah. thing for me was like mum and dad were taking tie to the nationals when I was just coming in, and I was like, you might as well go along anyway. You're not going to do any good, but you might as well go along yeah. anyway. So like, I did my first national uh, um, at BSMA at Mildenhall. And I was had to qualify. I was like six and a half, seven years old. You had to qualify, and I qualified fortieth. 
and tie his first national at the same day, he qualified first. And like second was Shipton and God knows what else and all the way down. So it's arm at one end, ties at the other end. And then <laughs> so I literally just got chucked in at the deep end, you know, it was like, we're going to take ties. So we'll just bang an entry in for you and see how you get on. And that, that was that. So then I basically did nationals ever since and only really by, by chance, you know, yeah, like, yeah. No, no way would dad have thought, oh, we'll take Todd to a national. He's only six and a half years old. We'll see if he can qualify. <laughs> that was back in the days you had to qualify as well, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. It was impressive, definitely. Getting chucked in the deep end, that's the that's the Kellett way, I think, yeah. pretty much. Oh, that's yeah. the impression I've always got from your mum and dad, you know, like they, they you just get get on with it. That's what life is. I, <laughs> I could see your old man teaching you how to swim by literally just literally throwing you in the deep end and then going for a cider. He'll be yeah. all right. He'll be fine. <laughs> no, no, you're right, though. It was, I had, a, I had a lot of fun and we had a lot of good times racing uh, junior stuff. You know, I think I was second in the 65s Red Bull and then second in the 85 Red Bull small wheel and again, yeah. second or third in the big wheels or whatever. And it was, it was great, you know, and, and realistically, if we're honest, Nothing really counts until you get on a 125 anyway, but it's just good fun. You know, you have to enjoy that time. And when the Red Bulls were so good, you know, Red Bull Pro Nationals was like amazing. And you try and explain it to people now, they just don't understand how good it was. And I think yeah. if we're honest, we didn't understand how good it was until it was taken away. You know, it was it was special sure, time. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, having that that name to it and what, what Matt did with that series was was immense, yeah, and the tracks, preparation and just, just all the media and everything about it was was cool. Yeah. So what was yeah. the what was the time for you, if there was a time, where the thought of it becoming an occupation? Did when when did that take yeah. hold? Or is it or is it still never really taken hold? You're just think, you're just going with it. Yeah, I think you'll be surprised that it actually really probably took toll on me probably like three or four years ago or you know quite late really you know i wasn't racing with you and twisted seven and like when i was 16 years old thinking oh you know i'm gonna i'm gonna be a professional yeah. i was thinking oh i just love riding my bike you know i'd go to school and then go and ride my bike and then it sort of went on from there and I, when i left school mum was like oh you've got to get a, an apprenticeship or you know you've got to do something and i was like i just want to keep riding my bike but <laughs> encouraged me that I needed a trade as such and the, the easiest way to do it was me become a barber and I could work for my mum so I went to college one day where a week worked for my mum and I rode the rest so I did one or two years full days uh, like five days a week in in the salon with mum and I got a good trade I got level three barber but I just carried on riding my bike you know it just whenever there was an opportunity <laughs> oh Wednesday I'm not coming into work today mum I'm, I'm gonna ride my bike um but it was, I was really proud, you know, at the end to have a trade, you know, so there was always yeah. a backup plan as such, you know, when or if racing finish, we can, we can go and cut hair or, you know, it doesn't that's, matter. Totally, I mean, that's, that's the way you should do it. hundred, hundred percent. So you've, you know, now you can crack on actually and really apply yourself knowing that, you know, you, you, you know, you can turn your hand to something else. It's, it's the way to do yeah. it. But in answer to your question, going back to like when I thought actually I could make a job out of this, it was just probably like the second year after I won Western. So I won Western the first year and I was like rubbing my hands together like Monday morning, I'm definitely getting a phone call. You know, that team is definitely going to want me 
And it's like, yeah, yeah, nothing happened. <laughs> so it's like, and then sure enough, sure enough, the following year, yet yeah, yeah, nothing happened. And I was like saying to dad, you know, I'm not really ready to give up. And I said, I don't really care what I'm doing. If I want to race enduro, if I want to race beach races or anything, I didn't care as long as I could live the lifestyle. And I, when I say live the lifestyle, I don't mean like partying and, you know, just in pissing it up against a wall. I mean, getting up and going training or getting up and going out on the on the motocross bike really i just love that lifestyle it wasn't i wasn't ready to go and um cut hair as such so i think i was probably when i finished with verdi or when it was just starting with verdi i was like i just want to carry on doing it you know so there was a big talk about maybe going to enduro and i was quite keen to give it a go but um for one thing or another it didn't happen so i was just just winging it really and that's sort of where we ended up <laughs> but then I thought you know if I can if I can make enough money to you know afford my phone bill and pay my diesel in the van you know it wasn't never going to be an occupation that could pay me house or me mortgage but I was just thinking I'll just keep just keep going for as long as I can afford to have a couple of toys you know have a nice push bike and put diesel in the van let's just keep <laughs> i bet i bet when you sort of made that decision i you, I, you, I bet you didn't get too much resistance from mum although no, you know they're so behind you aren't they you know regards of just just get a real job later just get a real job later because once you get a job that's it you know you buy a house and you're you're there for 40 years, you know, so I'll just get one later, you know, it's no problem. <laughs> As regards to supportive parents, I can't think of too many uh, better than your mum and dad. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, so, so obviously the beach racing just sort of it not happened by accident because you won Western twice. I mean, to win it once is a massive achievement. To win yeah. it twice is huge. To win it three on the spin is yeah. monumental. I think, like you say, it did sort of happen by chance. I had a lot of really good sponsors and people around me, and I always knew I could do well there, you know. Like, I've had, I've won the 65s, I've won the 85s, you know, everything was on plan. And one year I won the 85s, and I did the following, uh, like, uh, in the morning, and then I did the main race in the afternoon on a 125, you know. So I had all the credentials, really. It was just that final bit, you know. Uh, my first good result, Stuart Hodder, one of my good friends and sponsors from the past, he bought me a brand new 450 Kawasaki and we literally ran it in, bolted all the stuff on, went to the park for a I think everyone thought we were nuts. You know, this is just crazy. You know, people say, I'm not doing Western, it wrecks me bikes. So we had a brand new bike and I come away with fourth that year and it was really unexpected. And to me, I think it was actually one of my best performances, really. I think I was 17 years old. And I was, that was a good ride, you know? Um, and that's sort of where it started. But then again, I had two poor years on um, Hondas just for one thing or another. You know, I broke my back in one of the years and just, yeah. just little things, you know? And then again, Stu said, right, I'm gonna buy a brand new KTM 350 cross country. And we, we had no expectations again. We were just thinking, you know, top five would be good, top three or whatever. And Leoc was there that year and we were like, it's sort of his to lose as such. And I don't think anyone ever expected me to do well. So it was just, it was ideal, really. There was no pressure, no expectations. We just went and had a good time. And 
I think that race again sort of really matured myself. You know, I was first couple of hours I was battling with Leoc and I said to myself, I don't want to battle with him, you know, let him go. In my head, somewhat big headed, I thought he ain't never gonna finish anyway. He'll burn the clutch out. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got to the the last hour and I was like, if you really want to win this, like you really want it deep down. I remember it clear as day thinking, if you want to have a go, you gotta get on with it. And it wasn't until the last hour I just pushed and pushed and pushed. And um yeah, sure enough we got away with it. <laughs> what year was that? Remind me. So what was that? The... 2016. 16, that was. 15. Yeah. 16, 2016. Yeah. Yeah. And then the following year was a completely different story. I had another whole shot. So I had three wins and three whole shots. So the, the following year I had a whole shot and um, I was there with Johnny Walker and that. And he was like, everyone was baiting me up all week, you know, oh yeah johnny can beat you this can happen that can happen i was like oh whatever you know whatever I, i'm not i don't care anyway so i went off the start line and i just went hell <laughs> leather for three hours just literally there was no question in my mind that i was going to slow down and i just went flat out for three hours and i think i lapped up to like fourth or something you know it was just phenomenal ride in my mind i'd sort of already won and that was a bit a bit big headed a bit whatever no, not at all not, not one bit that's that's confidence for you isn't it i mean when, you, when you're feeling good and you and you yeah, know your yeah. abilities and and, and that, that's not it's not like you were uh banding that around before you started you know yeah. in your head you can think it yeah. it only becomes cocky when you start doing that yeah. and then obviously if you don't deliver then you look a bit Absolutely. of a and then, while we're on the subject the third year i'd had a terrible season you know everything went to the dogs you know everything was terrible um i broke my back in december the year before i just signed for verdi it just went pete tong like just <laughs> you just can't explain it you know one thing after another and i think it got to the stage in around september that i'd basically written off the season it was just, it was just nothing was going to happen it didn't matter what i was going to do i wasn't fit enough I wasn't strong enough. I wasn't comfortable on the bike, whatever. So Lucy and Lucy said to me, like, what do you want to do? You know, what, what, what are we going to do? You know, you're in a, you're in a very dark place. You're depressed. You know, you need to get a life basically. <laughs> um, the, so, love, the love of a good woman, Todd, that is telling you. <laughs> so I said, oh, I want to win Western. Like that was the only thing I was living for. Like, you know, I want to, I'm going to yeah. win Western. So she said, right, let's do it then. So she, jacked in her job at that time and she was a teaching assistant and we literally went on the road and spent two months in belgium in this sc sprinter just riding the sand and the, the, there was a couple of reasons for it i was doing an emx 250 at assen at the end of that year which was would have been my last emx 250 if the rule changed like it did um yeah. and obviously with western in the back of our mind so we did two months over there in a sprinter just the two of us and the dog and we had two bikes and they were just blowing up left, right and centre. I literally learned how to work on a four-stroke myself. I'd never taken a motor out and I just like went to Grizzly's workshop. I was like, oh, I'll take that motor out and I'll repair it. And then you put it back in. I'm like, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, like it just went on and on and on. And we got to Weston and I was really nervous. And we had the gold boots and gold helmet. Stupid idea, but it seemed seemed right you know I sort of got talked into it um and i went off the start line again i was just 
I just had never had the feeling like I did the the year before. Mm. It was never felt good. Nothing felt good. But I just kept pushing on and pushing on. And I think I led nearly every lap really in the end because I whole shot again. And then there was a bit of savage course cutting, but we we don't need to go into that. But <laughs> I was leading, and then I passed first and second. I thought, well, nobody's passed me, but whatever. And um, I managed, <laughs> managed to get a win again. So it was it, brilliant. But I think the thing which I learned from it all was, I would the third year I was waiting on Monday morning, knowing nothing was going to happen. You know, Monday morning I actually rang. Steve from St. Blasey and said, look, I'm out of contract with KTM or with Verdi. I need a bike. Let's go riding. Because it got a, sort of got to the stage that I thought, yeah, I'm fit. I'm strong. I'm feeling good. I want to keep riding. Everyone's like, got to Western, like, oh, let's go to sleep. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I picked up a 350 Husky off of Steve, which is brilliant. Out of it. it went way above to help me, you know, give me a bike. And uh, we were just riding in Dunkirk, just riding Dunkirk, Dunkirk, Dunkirk. With no plans, no racing happening. We weren't going to get an entry for the 2K. We weren't going to get an entry for Red Bull Knockout. We weren't getting an entry for nothing. But we just kept riding. And then, strangely enough, I managed to get an entry for the Red Bull Knockout. And we were like, oh, we got to do it. we got to do it. So we just went there. Yeah. And we had no idea how big of an event that was. I'd never heard of it. Didn't know anything about it. I was like, wow, it's another beach race. Let's have a go. Got there. And it's like huge. Like loads of spectators massive track weird format i was like this is this is mental anyway so i went out for the qualifying race and uh everyone's like taking it really easy everyone's chilling and i was like going hell for leather like i do and um i managed to get fifth in the qualifying race oh brilliant happy with that and then everyone's going oh yeah i took it really easy i didn't push i didn't do this and all that i was like oh geez the racing gonna be quite so good and it was the strangest thing. I was uh, pit next to Milko Potsek. And the team of Dragon Tech literally stripped his bike to the frame during qualifying and the race in between. And, like, Nibble and I, like, put some fuel in it, kicked the tire. <laughs> Probably lube. a few zip ties, a few zip yeah. ties, a bit of duct tape. Lube the chain. Yeah, she's beauty. <laughs> like that. And I... <laughs> <laughs> I tapped the bloke on the shoulder from Yamaha. I didn't even know why I did it. I said, like, is everything all right? You know, you got a problem or something? <laughs> and he said to me, oh, yeah, yeah, we're just checking. We're just checking. Um, and he said, um, you ever want to ride a Yamaha? And I was like, yeah, definitely. And he was like, oh, here's my details. Contact me next week. And I think... He almost like was just being polite, saying, you ever want to ride a Yamaha? And then I was like, jumped at it. He was like, oh, Jesus, why did I say that? (laughs) Anyway, so on the way, well, another funny story. uh, But anyway, I rang Steve from St. Blaise. He said, I need a 450 Yam now. Bearing in mind, a couple of weeks before, I'd just taken out a brand new Husky. And he was like, yeah, no problem. Come down next week. So again, like unbelievable. What a guy, you know. Here's a, four, uh, a Husky, which I've just destroyed the, the knockout on. Have another brand new 450 Yam. I was like, anyway, so that was phenomenal. But going back to the knockout, on the Friday, Lucy piped up and said, oh, it's Skegness on Sunday. And I said, oh, it's a £1,000 prize money there. I was like, I could win that. <laughs> so I said, Dad, can you drive 
all the way from uh, uh, the Hague in uh, the Rebel Knockout to Skegness for Sunday morning because it was a Saturday race at the Knockout. And he goes, mm, yeah, I reckon. Why not? So we literally finished the race at the Rebel Knockout. I managed to finish fifth again. I just had a hell of a ride, loving life. Um, and got there. I was like, I gotta go, gotta go. And they wouldn't let me have the bike for like an hour. You had to leave it in the park for a month. I was like, no. I gotta go, I gotta go. And so anyway, I managed to get a bike and dad just drove all night, literally all night straight. And we rocked up in the morning at uh, Skegness and I was just like half asleep and I felt wrecked. Because the, the Red Bull knockout was one hour and then two hours. And I, I could totally oh. underestimated how destroyed I was. Woke up in the morning, fettled a bit on the bike again, kicked the tires, fueled up with the gas, good to go. <laughs> like, I did like two laps at the Skegness. I thought, I'm never going to finish. I'm never going to finish. Like, I am dead. Anyway, kept on cracking on. Hour and a half, clutch is finished completely finished so i'm like stalling it all the time i had a little gap finished the line won the race collapsed went down the road found a massive indian scoffed the face and then drove all the way home got back at like three in the morning <laughs> apart from the incredibly hard work and dedication to keep going in the fitness it sounds like great weekend particularly well, the curry yeah that's I mean, the well-earned curry that is that definitely. that that was earned I think it was one of the best crews I've ever had, if I'm honest. I couldn't tell you where it was. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet but, Dad was. I bet Dad was hanging as well, wasn't he? By the time yeah. he got back, mind you, I bet he sunk a few ciders the next day after that weekend. For sure, yeah. So it was really good. I took like a thousand pound euro, thousand euros prize money from the Red Bull Knockout, and then a thousand pound from Skagness. And I thought, oh, hang about, I could make a few quid here. And, a, and the best curry of your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then, <laughs> yeah. Monday morning, I ring the French bloke and say, oh, hello, it's Todd here. Like, you spoke to me at the Red Bull. Oh, yeah, how's it going? I said, I'm coming across tomorrow, Tuesday. I'm, I'm coming across. Yeah, no problem. So I went over and um, we went out and tested the bike. And then that's literally where we are now, you know? Where so are now. It's mental. Like, so... Yeah, I'm I'm so thankful to so many people, you know, obviously like mom and dad and my brother and then like Stuart Hodder for buying the bikes at that time of Western and then Steve helping me out. And then the guys from Yamaha in France were just like, they went out with such a whim, you know, nobody ever heard of Todd Kellett. And I don't think they paid too much attention to Western, but they saw me at the Rebel Knockout and thought, oh, hang on, well, that's not bad. And they had seen me at Dunkirk occasionally and thought well, like who, who is this kid because obviously i was there all the time yeah, yeah. and um I'm like what what a risk for them to say oh yeah we'll just we'll just have this english kid you know no different to you when you you took me over off of the kawasaki's so, like oh, i was on 85 you know i remember ross burridge saying to you what about the fat kid on the end you know it's like so thankful to so many people to go out on a whim and support me you know it's been amazing yeah you say that you know clearly you've got to be incredibly talented to, to do what you've got to do but i think talent gets you so far and then you know hard work and dedication obviously is the final piece and i don't think anybody would look at your career or how you run and you know go well he's not trying you know yeah. it, it stands out a mile 
you know, but mostly because of the family, the way you you chip in as a family, you know, you just you just get on and going with it. And, yeah, you know, I yeah. think that was highlighted. You know, obviously, so many people we we know your your family's relationship with with Western. Yeah, I'm not going to go to the covered ground with that. Really and, that. <laughs> I dig up too many raw raw emotions. But what when you the first win? I mean, that as a family collective, that yeah. must have been yeah. something it special. Gives me goosebumps, you know. It gives me goosebumps. Yeah. It's like it was sort of like taking down the big giant. You know, it was sort of like no, I, I have that. You know, have that one back in the face. You know, yeah. <laughs> to a degree, it sounds a bit weird, but. It was like, yeah, you 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 give one of us, but I got you back as such, you know. Mm. Um, you can't really explain it, you know. It was just a surreal sensation, and then you know, it's been really good to me, Weston. It's been really really good to me. I mean, it's it's been such a buzz racing there, but for me now, it's a big shame that I can't race there because of the dates. Um, yeah, and I can't race this year if if Weston date stands. I watched your yeah. your interview yesterday. Um, it is a shame for me, but at the same time, my sort of uh, driven has switched. You know, I yeah. wanted to win Western bad, and now I want to win the two K really bad. Oh, you know? Now, so, what wouldn't that be something? Absolutely, yeah. And obviously, Nathan's Nathan's the only Brit at the moment, so that's what we're trying for. You know, that's what we're pushing for. That's that's why we're doing what we're doing, and. Um, it's really strange, you know, as if we go full circle on the whole thing, you know, when I was racing MX2 British Championship, the whole goal was to win or to, to race in the MX2 GP class. You know, there's no there's no point me sitting here and saying I didn't want to race MX2 GPs or MXGP. I'd be lying, man. You know, when I was racing MX250 or MX2 British Championship, in the back of your mind, you want to be a GP rider. Um sadly for me one thing or another it just didn't it just didn't materialize and i don't really regret anything i did it was just it was just one of those things but for me now that's sort of gone as such yeah. you know I could, I could enter a gp if i wanted just for fun but i'm never going to race competitively for a living but it's sort of switched you know now i'm thinking okay that's sort of gone i want to win the 2k and the thing for me, one of the main reasons I want to win the 2K is it just opens so many more doors. You know, if you yeah. win a British Championship motocross, well, I don't have a pat on the back. But if you win a, uh, a beach race like the 2K, you can suddenly, you can go back to motocross. You can go to enduro. Or for me, my long-term goal would be to go to rally. You know, and it's I was just, just, I was literally just going to ask that because I had a feeling you were edging towards that. And that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, I yeah. think the thing for me is I don't, I can't sit here saying I want to do Dakar because I haven't tested yet. Until I have a test, I might do one ride and go, nah, that is not for me. It's too scary. It's this, it's that. But for me, I just want to have the opportunity to test. And then, then we can see, you know. Yeah. Bloody hell. <laughs> I, hope you got, I hope you got a better sense of direction. Nah, Nibs is all right. He gets, he yeah. finds his way around. Danny, you know, imagine, imagine him following you up in the support track. Bloody hell. <laughs> yeah, that's something to think about. I think, yeah, that is obviously the biggest concern. Um, I've done a little bit of looking at it, and it's very, very French. You know, obviously it was ran by the mm. French Federation, so the, the roadbook is very French. Obviously, if you can try and get your head around that, 
No. <laughs> I suffer with languages at school. I can't even speak English proper, let alone uh, or, you know, properly. <laughs> but no, it's just um, it's a it's a good experience. It's yeah. everything for a reason at the end of the day. And you know where we're at now is we're we're going to head to France sooner rather than later and try and crack on with the with the beach races and get prepared as we can. Most yeah. Time, you know? Um. So how's that, how that working for you? You know, obviously, it's like you said, it's now your job. You're riding for a French team. It's all good. Are you initially, was it difficult with the language barrier? Um, it's a really strange thing. It's like, for me, I want to learn the French, obviously. But for them, they love to show off that they can speak English. And they like to learn English, you know. So, like, the team manager always has a joke with me about the English and the French. but at the end of the day, he really, he really enjoys speaking English. Um, it's to sort of show off. And I think if we're honest, a lot of people have the wrong impression of the French people. You know, sometimes French can come across a little bit arrogant or whatever. But I think it's almost if they don't know you or they don't know how you're going to react to how, how it all goes on. You know, for me, I have the best relationship with them. They're, they're brilliant people and they help me out so much, you know um yeah. it is great and especially with milka is the team manager now oh, sorry teammate now he speaks gr brilliant english obviously yeah. and we just have a we just have the best fun speaking the languages i try and speak french and they just crease up like it's so embarrassing but you know it, it, it's a really funny thing and when i moved over or when i first went it sort of all happened by accident so i i did the knockout and then we went over for the test and then I didn't come back until Christmas. So I literally went for a test and then I was like, okay, well, when's the next race? When's the French championship race going to be? And it was oh, next, next month. So I'll just stay. And they give me, give me a property over there then. And that's where I've been ever since. Um, that first year, the team manager paid for everything out of his own back. Um, Cause they already had a team, which is Milko and Damon Martins. And then, at the end of the season, I was pushing on and getting good results and having a good time. And then the team manager said, oh, we want to make you on the official team. So then it would just become me and Milko like last year, um, which was, again, a crazy opportunity, crazy opportunity. And I think like last year, the team weren't, wasn't really expecting too much from me. You know, it was always Milko's the number one as such and told it would just progress if and when. And I, as as they did, as they suggested, that's sort of how I did it for the first few rounds. And then sadly, Milka got injured. And I I sort of felt like I had two choices. I thought oh, I'd just sort of shy away from it or I like put my big boy pants on and try and step in as such. And that's what I tried to do. And it, it worked out great, really, for me. Um, they, we then became like two number one riders. It was no preference on either, either person. Yeah. And we, we had some great results throughout the year. Sadly for me, the 2K wasn't phenomenal, but that's another story. <laughs> well, you had some good TV time. Um, yeah. Sorry, I remember, well, I can remember seeing at least one of your crashes where you yeah. pitched on the if, if I go into it realistically, the thing was is the pressure was on Nathan, obviously. He was the past winner. And for me, I'd just come off a win at Hosgore and I'd had a second to Nathan at Graham. It, we were we were the favourites, you know, and it was a lot of things which I'd never really experienced before, you know, TV interviews, 
you know, Le Favourite, Le Favourite all the time. And it, I must admit, it got to me, I'm not going to lie. And at the, and the other side of the story is Milko's there, he's injured his hand. He had a couple of average rides, but he's, nobody expected him to win. On that morning, if you'd have said Milko was going to win, nobody would have bled, uh, believed you. It was always yeah. me, Van Horbeck, or Watson. And sure enough, slowly but surely, he was just he was just cracking on. And I took the lead in the first lap. And I thought, again, you know, sort of like a Western thing. I'm just going to ride it out for as long as I can. And I got hit by a back marker and broke the front lever, front brake lever, and it just went Pete Tong as such. Um, but that's that's learning, you know. I, yeah. I've got so much experience from Weston from when I was on 65s to to now that I've only ever done two Latukes, and these guys have been doing them on their one to fives and that. You know, you know they they know it like the back of their hand. I'm 23 and Milko's 20, 28, 29. Yeah, so it's a long, long time to catch up. Oh yeah, and I know, and I know, um, I know you won't quit on it. That's for no. sure. No, you no, know, no. that's the thing. Like even, even you know, like let's just hypothetically, and obviously I'm not wishing this to happen at all. But like even if you kind of lost your your ride with what you're doing there, because you, you've done it so many times before, where you've just gone and got a bike, as you've already explained, and gone and absolutely, done it. So, absolutely, yeah. I know, yeah. I know you're going to keep pushing to try and win that thing until until your body tells you that you can't. Absolutely, I've learned so much, and I feel, I feel it's it's achievable. So yeah, there's no reason I'm not gonna, I'm not going to stop. You know, even if I, I'm very fortunate that I get a property in France and I mm. get you know, facility that the, the guys work on the bike and that. But even if that were to be taken away, I would I would sleep in the Sprinter at Dunkirk for six months. It wouldn't worry me. You know? oh. <laughs> um, again, it goes back to that. It goes back to the lifestyle. You know, just being yeah. there working um i mean it i learned obviously a lot from yourself you know when you were doing gps and that it's just such a shame that dad and i and lucy and that we couldn't actually do gps but i was only talking to dad the other day and saying the problem is now we did european championship it doesn't go down as gps but yeah. the entry fee for that was 300 euros and we could go to the races and see if we could qualify. We did three seasons of it. And sure enough, we qualified for a lot and we had a lot of good results, but it never will go down like it was GPs. You know, when you were doing GPs, you could go along, try and qualify and tr and then truck on home either or. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Get, you know, you, and you earned money from it, you know, that was the other thing. So even by getting to the race, you were... There but, you go. You, that covered the cost of the trip out more often than not, and a little bit in your back pocket too. So, and that was before getting any point uh, money scoring rides in two motos. So, but sadly for us, if we travelled all the way like we did for the European Championship, then we pay like a thousand euros to enter, and there's never going to be anything coming back from it. Mm. For me, I'd like to look back in the, in the in the in the future and say like, yeah, we did European Championship. It was nothing like GPs, but GPs weren't a possible. If I was racing in your era, I'd have loved to have said that I would have been doing GPs as well, you know, because it was more oh, achievable. Yeah. You know, it was more achievable for sure. Um, yeah. It's a shame for a lot of young guys. I would, have, I would have loved to have seen you on a 252 strike. <laughs> Probably wouldn't have wanted to race against you, but I would have loved to have seen you out there uh, trying to qualify at a 250 I GP. definitely, definitely, if I could go back to any era, it'd definitely be like 80s and 90s because 
Yeah. I just love the two-stroke. It's so much fun and oh, yeah. proper tracks, proper racing, proper line choice. You know, it really comes down to your line choice and how you get on the power and everything. It's just, it's just so much fun. That was again last season. We did the two-stroke thing just to, just to have a blast. You know, yeah. I was never under the illusion that after racing the beach races, somebody's going to want me to race a four-stroke for them in British Championships. So what? Oh well, we'll just do it on the two-stroke. It's cheap racing. Again, Steve helped me out, and we just did it on a shoestring and had a blast. Really, and it's a real shame that we couldn't do that this season because I was going to do the British Championship motocross on a mm. two-stroke in MX2 and the European Championship, and it would have been a really interesting thing to see me do it as such. And with me and Ando. I was really interested to know where a 252 stroke could finish. Like in my head, I've got a couple of realistic goals. I think where a two stroke could finish, but we don't know. Nobody knows how good a 252 stroke is against a 250F at the moment, really. No, Um, exactly. That would have been a real shame. I'm just still smiling at the fact just you and Ando. That that, never mind. Take the other 38 riders out of it. I'd be happy to watch just you and Ando go around. I mean, like <laughs> you had that dust up with him at Farley that year. Yeah, I was racing right there. There. It was so good. <laughs> the thing is for me and Ando, it's like if he has an amazing star, I have a stonker, we're still together. If yeah. and, and reverse. If I have a great star, he has a bad star, we're still together. It's like it's like a magnetic <laughs> force that draws us together. Yeah. And it's just it always goes off for sure. Um I've got a lot of respect for Ando. We we you know he's one of my heroes in the past and yeah i've never ever imagined racing him and you know we've sort of both got a, enough respect for each other that we're not too dirty you know and it's just it's just a great race um, i'm gonna get, i'm gonna get him all i've been planning to get him on here anyway for quite a while so when i do uh i get his opinion on racing you when we get him on i don't That'll think you i don't i think he'd like it but at the same time it must be somewhat frustrating you know yeah. <laughs> it is for me seeing him you know, he's so much older than me and the lap times are always the same. It's like, how is he still doing it? If I'm that age and I can still ride a two-stroke like that, I'll be I'll be over the moon. <laughs> he's an absolute beast, that's why. He's an animal. But yeah, that's good. It's a shame that's going to happen. But maybe that'll happen sometime in the future. And I, I hope it does. Yeah, but in I mean, the meantime, you know, uh, yeah, it's it's great that you've, you know, you found a, a um, well, you, you know, by like you say it's not by design but it's worked out good that you're you're doing something you love it's, it's a job you're, you're really making a name for yourself and you know and from a british point of view as well it's great to have yeah. a british rider sort of doing well in that let's be honest sort of specialist field it's it's nice just, to see myself and nathan going in a slightly somewhat direction you know obviously nathan was he did gps you know he was the man in the gps for the british for the british community um but it is nice to see him doing what i'm doing and people appreciating finally what we're doing um even even like the dates came out this week and i see a few motocross guys like looking at i seen sean simpson was was eyeing it up and yeah i would for me it would be amazing to see a few more british guys and motocross guys come over because it didn't it didn't quite as easy as it looks that's that's for sure maybe you're trailblazing then you know you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be like leading the way for a next lot of uh british riders turning right. their attention to the nice. obviously obviously nobody's raced this year at the moment 
Um, so yeah, for sure, if they, they, there's opportunity for racing in the winter, uh, it would be good to see it, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just can't wait to get back on the bike myself. I haven't actually ridden. The last time I rode was in in uh, in the US on the, the GMCC. So for me, yeah. I'm just trying to get back on the bike, hopefully get out the weekend, depending on the weather. But it's certainly been a long time off the bike. <laughs> yeah. How was the, G the GNCC? How, how did you find that? I think, again, like I just said about the beach races, I, you know, it's not as easy as it looks. And, yeah, it turns out the GNCC is not as easy as it looks. Um, <laughs> for being a sand race, I think they kind of over-exaggerated it. It was more of a, a forest race, you know, with so many routes and horrible stuff. It was it was brutal. It was, it was really savage, you know. I, I definitely underestimated it. Um, I underestimated the heat. And underestimated the riders, you know, those guys are really fast. There's no denying it. And um, I underestimated learning the process, you know. So for us, you know, we go to a beach race, we know what we're doing. Or we go to a British Championship, we know what we're doing. Or even GPs. But when you go somewhere completely different, I had no idea, you know, like the, the laps were 13 miles. And it took us half an hour to do a lap. So suddenly it was a five-lap race over three hours and it was like what you like <laughs> you know yeah, yeah and the laps obviously go out you know it's not 30 minutes every single lap they go out longer and longer and i think i struggled to kind of justify that i did two laps and i pissed off and i thought okay i did another lap i thought i'm halfway i've done three laps um it was a really strange strange thing but it was a great opportunity and it was so nice to, to be able to go over there and I've never been before and it was nice to go and actually ride, yeah. um, let alone race. And get engaged. Yeah, for sure. As well. yeah. It was quite a, quite a big deal for sure. Yeah. But um, no, we, had a, we had a great time. I'm so thankful to Yamaha for sorting everything out. You know, what, a, what an opportunity, definitely. Yeah. It's all good stuff, Todd. I'm looking forward to the next chapter of your career. We'll follow it with interest. Um, I'm going to try and get back to the 2K. I say get back because I went there in 1984. Jeez, to watch. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. Exactly. Was you born oh, then? No, but I reckon my old man would have been riding for sure. Yeah. But I wouldn't yeah. like to say if it was a quad or a bike or what it was. Any some kind of <laughs> anything motorized with like literally that can be classed as, as an off-road vehicle. Nibs is on it. Yeah. Yeah. It so, would be nice for for you to come and especially like to cover the a race in oh, yeah, no, that's, that we, we, that's absolutely part of our plans yeah you know we're we, we definitely want to start um you know like covering you, a, a lot more of the uh just dirt biking in general yeah i think when you say beatrice to anybody in the uk motocross they they think of western obviously that's the first thing they think of and i was the same when i was younger you know it's a huge event but now it's like the biggest yeah, the ones in the world is is, is well is the 2k outside. yeah exactly like when i went to watch and that was 1984 um i think there was 250,000 people there in, in 1984 yeah. and it's yeah. probably grown more since then well, it's it's a very very different race you know you can't actually take western and the 2k and put them to, uh, any comparisons the only comparison to me is they're on on a beach they're so far apart it's ridiculous now Western is like a real mud race, you know, you get a lot of bogs, it's very slow, it's very enduro. You can take a good enduro rider to Western and he'll do well. 
you can take a very good motocross rider to Latuke and he could he could win it. You know, if they're yeah. so far apart, um, it's very hard for the English to understand what it's like because the average speed round Western I wouldn't know probably 15, 20 mile an hour. Where at Latuke you're probably averaging sort of thirty five mile an hour. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really yeah, yeah. totally different race. Um, which is it's it's strange because all of my success has been at Western um, for me to go over and learn a whole new, whole new shebang. <laughs> well, I tell you what, if I, I make, I'll make a promise to you now. Well, I promise to myself, actually, if it doesn't, if it doesn't clash with anything or I'm not uh, somewhere else at that time of year, which I might be, um, yeah. I'll come over to that. Not only that, I can do a bit of a Dale boy type uh, wine and, and beer run. One thing yeah. in lockdown I've noticed, and, and people watching these man in the vans and everything else to do, they're probably thinking, God, he's got a drink problem. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't. It's just whenever I seem to do these, um, it's either a Friday or Saturday and it's the weekend because I, I have a few at the weekend and that's it. So yeah. um, I'm not I'm not an alcoholic. Yeah, well, you're, you're welcome to come over. I've got a spare bed and um, it'd be cool. great to come over like the week before if you could because nearly every top rider is riding Dunkirk. And they're yeah. all, all the media as such, you know. So we'll make a plan with that then. That's yeah. that's that's a deal, right? We'll discuss that off air another <laughs> time. Right, Todd. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. I'm absolutely made up for you, made up for the family. Um, say hello to your dad and mum for me, and of course Ty as well. Keep on trooping like you, Kellets do. Um, yeah. and hopefully, okay. I'll see you, I'll see you soon, mate. Yeah. Thanks Definitely. for the time for doing this. Um, no Thank you very much uh, on a Friday night. Um, you should still it's only it's just coming up to eight o'clock on a Friday night so you still should be able to get some prime time TV in <laughs> yeah right. no, no going down the club for me <laughs> <laughs> all right mate take care um, and I'll speak to you soon nice Cheers. one Thank you. all the best Todd good luck mate right that's Toddy he's out of it I'm going to end that right there see you Todd till next time series uh, two episode ten I don't know who we're going to get next um well, I might get, might get Ando in after I said that or whatever, but I'll try and fit another one in when I can. That was obviously Todd. Uh, always a pleasure talking to Todd. He's, um, he's a real trooper, as you've probably worked out. Right. Thanks for watching, everybody. Um, keep enjoying what we're doing at Dirt Hub and following us on our Facebook page and, of course, um, on the actual Dirt Hub website, etc., Instagram, all that. And I'll see you soon. Right. I'm absolutely starving now, so I'm going to go and get a late supper tea dinner whatever you call it till then take care everybody keep on uh keep on rocking in the free world at least i like to believe it still is <laughs>